Welcome everybody to the Wonder Go Show. It is Puka once again joined by Ryan Eho and Bert Lehman for episode 29. We've been at it for a while here, fellas. So really? Uh, yeah, episode 29. <laughs> so veterans now, man. Yeah. Like, yeah you're gonna have to get professional microphones like we were talking about earlier. <laughs> so uh, you can find all of us on Facebook at Bert Lehman, at Ryan Aho, and at Racer Puka, P-O-O-K-A. Uh, and that's right a one to go show. And at the one to go show on Facebook. Yes, indeed. I would, I would have forgot that tonight. I made it the last couple. You know, they say the first thing that happens is you kind of lose your memory as you're getting older. So me and Bert, we're starting to wonder if you're actually older than us. We're not really sure. <laughs> That's hap it's happening fast. It's happening fast. My hair is starting to turn colors. It's, it's all kinds of things are happening. <laughs> all right, fellas, we're going to get right into it tonight. we got lots to cover. We're going to go through some results from last week. Uh, we'll start with you tonight, Bert, on this one. Glad you're feeling better. Glad you don't have the COVID. Uh, happy to see you. Uh, the Magnolia Mayhem 40, which was supposed to be held Thursday night, was rained out, was held on Friday. $5,000 winner's check went to Jimmy Owens, followed by Tim Colt and Dennis Herb Juniors. Uh, what do you think, Bert? You got to see a little bit of that. Yeah, actually, I, I watched the feature uh, today. I broke down and subscribed to Dirt on Dirt. <laughs> so uh, I watched the feature. And uh, it was it was really a racy track. Um, you know, you can tell that the, it was rained out the night before because the track was was a little tacky. It wasn't uh, dry slick from top to bottom like Ryan likes it. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Jimmy Owens didn't start on the front row, and I mean, he was in the lead by I think the end of the second lap. I mean, he was definitely the class of the field, and uh, it, it was good racing. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, they were surprised to get it in. You know, it was quite the delay. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, they talked to some of the drivers down there. And they're like, did you think we'd even get this show in? And they're like, no, we kind of figured we were just going to maybe have a few beers, call it a day, and, and go on. And uh, it sounds like the crew down there did a heck of a job even getting that track in order to race. So hats off to them and because uh, we're all looking for live sports, live racing. And it was kind of fun to be able to watch that. Jimmy Owens, he's, he had a – you know, after we called him out down in uh, Speed Weeks when he wasn't doing very good. So we're going to, you know, I think that our show needs to take credit for his recent success because he was really dropping the ball. We called him out. Bam, he goes out. He's on a tear, right? So I think uh, we're going to take credit for that, probably more so Puka than us. And uh, But, yeah, he had a heck of a dominant car down there. The track had some attitude, but, uh, you know, they got the show in. So it was good to see. Yes. And also Friday night, Crawford County Speedway down in Iowa, the Tri-State Series was running, and the $1,000 check went to Bill Layton Jr., followed by Josh Leonard and Corey Dumpert. Brian, I know you had a comment of someone that kind of stood out to you down there. Well, you know, you know Morgan Ward, you know, she's only got a handful of races in that late model. Um, she's ran Midwest Mods. She ran Mods. She's won races in both, and, you know, she rolled right out there, won her heat race, and in fact, um, it was kind of dicey. I mean, it wasn't like she just started in front and didn't have a challenge. I mean, there was a race for the lead. I actually saw it online. And she, uh, I don't know what the deal was. She had some kind of a mechanical failure, didn't even get to start the feature. So kind of a tough break for her there. But, you know, pretty cool to see uh, her jump in there and I guess show the guys how it's done. Yeah, yeah, I saw that clip. And, yeah, she, she stayed up top, stayed on the hammer. That's for sure. That was some good racing. Yeah, they and say the IRA... drive it, drive it like a girl, right? That's what they say. <laughs> Well, if all girls drove like that, man, I tell you what, I mean, she, she's not afraid to get up on the wheel. Hey, she's, she's a gasser for sure. Oh, that's for sure. And they were racing pretty tight corners there for a while. So yeah, she was, uh, she did not back down because he did, you know, he, he pulled ahead for a while there and then she came roaring back. So that's for sure. Yeah. She's got guts. You wouldn't see me out there doing that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, and then uh, on the sprint car side, uh, the IRA sprint cars were in action at the Great Lakes Shootout down in Jackson, Minnesota. Brad Sweet picked up the $5,000 win on Friday night, followed by Sheldon Hottenchild and the Donnie Shots. So uh, pretty stout field down there, Ryan. Pretty unbelievable. Oh, there 63 cars? Is that what there was? Something like that. It was over 60. That's incredible. And, you know, the purse wasn't that high. I think it was only like five grand to win one night, supposed to be maybe seven the next night. So yeah. not like a huge purse, but 63 cars. Jackson, of course, uh, is, is Minnesota's mecca of sprint car racing. You know, it's not the mecca of sprint car racing, but definitely Minnesota's. And uh, interesting to me to see a race even happen in Minnesota. 
So I thought that was quite interesting. You know, there's a few other tracks trying to run without fans. State shut them down. Um, turns out Jackson actually, they somehow got in touch with the governor. Most of us haven't had any luck, but they actually got in a written exception to the, to the uh, executive order. So they oh, had to actually, know. so they got an exception to be able to even have that race. So, you know, you can tell they got a little bit more pull, a little bit of money behind them. They can get them things done. But, uh, you know, great show. Too bad the next day it rained out. But, uh, yeah, great sprint car racing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the field. I mean, the you know, I mean, uh, Kyle Larson and, and uh, Rico. And did I say t Tony Stewart's name, too? No? Stewart? Okay. I thought I had heard somewhere that might Stewart, Stewart might come or something. So, uh, but, yeah, it was like, you know, like I said, it was, it was like going to the Knoxville Nationals right in Minnesota, you know, in the middle of May. It was just incredible. Actually, you know what? I, I thought you said, did you say Tony Stewart's name? I'll have to do a little looking. You know, maybe Bert can pull up on his end or I can look on my end. I'm not, I'm not sure if he went there or not because that's an IRA show, and he, he likes to support Steve Sinclair when he can with that series. So yeah. I, I guess I'm not 100% sure if he was there. Did you happen to see Bert? Was Tony at that? I don't know if he was there, but now that you said that he likes to support the IRA shows, he does, because I know he raced at an IRA show in Wisconsin a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, so I wouldn't pull that up. I thought I saw something where he was in a B main or something, but regardless, like I said, I mean, even without him, I mean, a fantastic field uh, for sure. And, you know, of course, they threw this thing together late, and like Ryan said, 5,000 to win Friday, only 7,000 to win Saturday, which ended up raining out. But uh, one last race to cover then on Friday down at Mississippi Thunder Speedway. They were back in action. I've got some results at least on the late model side. Jake Tim, two weeks in a row, uh, picking up the win, followed by Jimmy Mars and – or two races in a row, not two weeks in a row, followed by Jimmy Mars and Chad Simpson. Uh, thoughts there, Ryan? Well, Dirt Race Central uh, actually – they showed a little clip of a heat race between Jake Tim and Jimmy Mars. And, man, that was – that race was incredible, slide job and back and forth. And, you know, you know, we had, uh, of course, Jake on the show. Jimmy's been on the show a little while back and just dicing and slicing. It's kind of fun to see that young gun. I mean, he ain't intimidated by anybody. And uh, he, he's off to an impressive start. That kid is flat out talented. He's going to win a lot of races. And, you know, hats off to the crew down at uh, Fountain City at Mississippi Thunder Speedway. You know, they've done everything right. You know, they've really, really – you know, cross their T's, dotted their I's to make racing happen down in that area. And uh, they're going to continue moving forward. We're going to be talking about what they got coming up here uh, later on in the show. But, you know, great racing down there. And I'm just excited to be able to see it happen. Yeah, track looked great. Uh, you know, like I said, I've never been there. It's a, definitely a track I'd like to get down to. But uh, same thing. Those guys can hammer the gas and get around that track. And like I said, yeah, they, they had a great battle there in that heat race. And the thing that impressed me was, okay, so we had uh, Drake Troutman from Hinman, Pennsylvania that, that uh, showed up. We had a handful of Iowa cars, and we even had an Illinois car. So, you know, pretty impressive. Word is out that Mississippi Thunder's got their act together, and it's a place that you can go and run. They do. And, and Puka, I just looked up for you really quick. It looks like Tony Stewart got 17th um, at Jackson. It looks like he got uh, third place in a, in a B main. Is it what it looks like he got? That's, and then that's what I had heard. He was going to be main. Yeah, that was yep. that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you, Ryan, for getting that in. All right. So speaking of getting in, we also got some racing in on Saturday. Uh, 411's Sizzler event down in Seymour, Tennessee, was also won by the Osho Jimmy Owens. He collected $5,000 on Saturday night, followed by Corey Hedgecock and Josh Rice. Bert, I know you were able to uh, catch some of this action. So what stuck out to you with this one? Well, I mean, once again, I mean, Jimmy Owens was a class of the field. This time he started on the front row, and, I mean, there is no denying him. Uh, Corey Hedgecock, you know, was running well. I saw a story that uh, supposedly one of Owens' crew members told Jimmy to go up higher on the track because Hedgecock was gaining on him, and uh, Hedgecock said that he gave Jimmy Owens a hard time about that because otherwise he was going to get him. But, uh, I mean, there, there was a – late race yellow so you know they the other drivers had their shot at owens but he was definitely the class of the field go ahead ryan yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because i remember back in the day when i raced i always had a pit guy on top of my trailer and we actually went and got signal lights kind of like they have at the airport right and we'd be having signal lights and he'd tell me high low all kinds of things distance 
and certain tracks you'd go to, they'd be like, that's not allowed here. You can't do that. You know, and now you see all the national late model series. That's just the way it is. And, you know, there may have been a couple tracks where we did it and we just made sure that we kind of hit it so they didn't know. And, but uh, I tell you, that's a huge thing. And if a person's not getting signals, then you're really missing the boat because, I mean, like you said, I mean, Hedgecock might have got by him possibly if he wouldn't have changed his line a little bit. So, you know, the Newport Nightmare, awesome weekend, couple wins right out of the gate, you know, and, you know, I, I heard a rumor that there was maybe going to be a couple more people down there that, that didn't show up, but, you know, I actually watched this one live uh, as well. So, you know, great racing. Owens is, is, you know, really looking good. And this could be an advantage to him as now they get into the Lucas Oil stuff because he's on a little hot streak. He's kind of, it's one of those deals where you get the feel, you know, so, you know, I think this is going to pay dividends for him. Yeah, that Corey Hedgecock is what who impressed me. I mean, you know, I never heard of the guy. Young kid. You know, I saw the, the interviews after, like, you guys probably did the post race. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Was he a grizzly veteran that's raced there his whole life? And pretty young guy. And like said, Bert said, with that late race caution, he was there. But Jimmy was just too good. You know, he was he was there, but he, he didn't really threaten him. But, but you know, in three and four there, when he'd go low, he'd, he'd catch him a little bit. So, you know, just to be running with a guy like Jimmy Owens, especially with how hot Jimmy is, you know, a guy like that could be feeling pretty confident. He's, you know, rolls out the rest of the year. I felt like there might have been a competition yellow right towards the end there. It's like, I don't know if the yellow was really all that necessary. And I'm like, well, maybe they're trying to close the gap back up, make it a race. I'm not really sure. Maybe there was a tear off on the track. I don't know. But uh, dirt on was dirt, class of the field. dirt on dirt. They wanted good TV. Right. There you go. There you go. Boy, them guys do a good job, man. It's It's kind of fun. They, got, they go to the Dirt on Dirt Studios, which is basically their house. And, you know, it's kind of fun to see. They, they really do a good job with the light model shows. Did you want to jump in, Bert? I just wanted to add, you know, uh, Ryan had said that, you know, maybe there would have been some other drivers there. Uh, I saw an interview with uh, Jimmy Owens. He said that they had to drive all night to get from Magnolia, the Magnolia race, since it was rained out Saturday night and it was run Sunday. Or, I mean, rained out. It was rained out, so they had to hustle yeah, they Friday all night. So, and now they have to drive down to Georgia, so they got a lot of traveling, and maybe that scared off some of the other people. And then I also saw an interview with uh, Josh Rice, who finished third, and he was originally planning to race somewhere else, but the weather was iffy, and he knew the weather wasn't iffy at, at 411, so he just raced there instead. All right, fellas, very good. Yeah, so also, like we said, Saturday night, we were supposed to, uh, the Great Lakes shootout in Jackson was supposed to continue, rained out. The Tri-State Series was also supposed to be running in Iowa. That one rained out. So Sunday night, though, we did some racing in Lasney at the Casino Speedway over in Watertown, South Dakota. They had their season opener. Uh, Chad Olson was victorious in the late models. Mike Nichols in the Midwest mods. Tyler Peterson in the mods. And Cole Searing in the supers. Brian, I know you know Cole Searing. Uh, I think he was our, what was he, was what a, Superstock champ. Oh, no, Burdick was the champion last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Cole Searing, actually, he, he ran well. He was in the top five there in the Superstocks. He actually won the Wasota Midwest Mod National Championship yeah. last year. And a heck of a race car driver. He actually got first in the Supers, second in the B-Mods. Um, another guy, Tyler Peterson. You know, he had a really good winner. We talked about him a little bit when he was down in Arizona. He ran very well down there. He took home one of the night wins down there. Actually, probably would have had a second one. I think he kind of got fenced a little bit um, by Lear. That's where there was a little controversy, but he was dominant. I mean, he absolutely drove away last night in the modified. Um, just a hell of a race car driver. And, you know, he had some stout competition. I mean, Dan Ebert got second. And if you drive away from Dan Ebert, you're doing something. Um, so that they had a good field of cars there. The late model features, I'm, I'm actually buddies with the guy, uh, Josh Skorczewski. I don't know if he fell back to second to get third. Um, I'd have to look at that, but he, here's what happened. So um, the guy that was leading, okay, he was running the bottom the whole race, running a good race, running a good race. And here comes Skorczewski back around the top, bam, drives right by him for the lead. And he was starting to look really good up top. Yellow comes up. So he's got the lead, took the lead on the top, looked really good on the top. What's he do on the restart? Goes right to the bottom. I'm like, dude, seriously, you know, and, he, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, and I sent him one of those memes that, you know, boxed up. And I said, you gift wrap this one with a bow for me, like, and in the wind. He's like, yeah, I way overthought that one. 
He went down to the bottom, and there goes Chad Olson, who was kind of following him through on the top. Chad went to the top, drove right around him, and Skorczewski kind of fell back to fourth. I don't remember if he got back up to second or third. He ended up third. Yeah, yeah he ended up third. Becker snuck by him as well. So it's like, good grief, man. That, I said, you are not going to want to watch the replay of that on Dirt Race Central because you're going to really, really, really be pissed off at yourself because he had the car to beat, and, uh, but it's one of those deals where I've never lost a race from the grandstands ever. So as I'm sitting back watching, I'm going, no, what are you doing? And sometimes, you know, you're thinking, man, I'm just going to block the bottom because he's not going to go to the top. And, man, it, it, it cost him. But there was some pretty good racing. You know, I tell you, the – the super stock feature was phenomenal. That's my favorite class. Searing got the lead. Dan Nisalki from was drove all the way over from uh, kind of the Winona, Minnesota area. Wow. And he found something up top, drove around him, got the lead. But then he changed his lineup a little bit and Searing got back by him. But uh, that was a really good battle for the lead. So, you know, hats off to the Casino Speedway. They did not have fans. Tyler mentioned that in the interview. He goes, man, I miss you guys. Like, I, I want the fans back here. And there, it sounds like they're going to do what they can to try to have fans there this week. So, um, thankfully, Dirt Race Central had the coverage, was able to watch all the features. I didn't, I didn't get the chance to watch the heat race, but some good racing last night. I love that place, guys. If you like a bull ring, man, that place is awesome. It's smaller than Hibbing. Hibbing's like the smallest track that in, in our area. And that place is a little tiny quarter-mile bullring, but it races well. You know, it races wider than it actually is. So it's actually some pretty darn good racing there. Yeah, I've seen some videos. I didn't see last night's trip, but I've seen videos there. Yeah, tight. Yeah, looks like, I mean, they've got they, – yeah, two grooves there. It's an action track. There's no question. And speaking of action, uh, one thing I noticed that I kind of like to bring up here is, Especially with that sprint race, like I said, 63 entries, racing for five grand one night, racing for seven grand the other night, star-studded lineup. You know, is this just, is this a bad omen for racers, or is this a good omen for smart promoters? You know, are they going to get in the room? And Ryan, you've got a promoter hat on now. Is there some way you're going to get in the room and say, gosh, you know, maybe it's not regular racing time. Maybe, like up here, it's during the fall when there's limited racing, say, hey, geez, maybe we don't have to pay these guys so much. Thoughts? Are you trying to get me shot? Is that what you're trying to do? Like, seriously? Like, I got a lot of friends that are race car drivers, and I started talking about racing for less money, and, like, I'm going to have death threats. I'm going to have all kinds of things. Um, I think it's a supply and demand deal, right? I really do. I mean, you know, right now, people are hungry. Number one, winter's long in the northern part of the country, okay? It's long. Winter sucks. It's just terrible. Well, then, you, people are used to spring. You can get out of the house and go do things. Like, people haven't been able to do anything. So, right now, people are flat-out hungry for anything. And then, this time of the year, people are hungry to go racing. I remember back when Cedar Lake used to open up, like, before everybody else. And there was, like, there had been 200 cars there for regular pay, right? It's like, man, you know, 300 to win for the super stocks, and they had like 60 of them, for God's sake. It was insane, you know. So do I think this is going to be kind of a deal to, where racers are willing to race for less money? I really don't think so. It's just a matter of supply and demand. You know, if there's, a, if there's no other races going on and people want to race, they're going to be there. And now this, this is something that could be said. At, at this time of the year, when there's not a lot going on, you don't really have to throw the 10 grand at them, five grand at them. You don't do that because the, the racers want to race. They're going to be there anyway. And that's something that I, that does ring true to some extent all year long because most racers aren't really racing for the money. They may say they are. They do. They say they are. I always said I was. I always bitched about the purse. But the fact is you really wanted the, the really the experience. And right now we don't have that because we got no fans at a lot of these tracks. But the fact is, it's a little bit of everything. you got to have fun doing it. You want a good racing surface. You want some good competition. You want a packed house to race in front of. And then, of course, you want some money. But money's not the end-all, be-all of the whole deal. You know, some people say, oh, man, all you got to do is throw a big payday up. You're going to fill the place. Well, that's not true because there's a lot more to it than that. But it's crazy. You know, I, that Tri-State one that raced, rained out at uh, Park Jefferson, they had like 50 late models registered. Wasn't that like a thousand to win or something? Yeah, a thousand win, like a hundred to start. Yeah, well, Grand Rapids pays a thousand to win on a regular night. So you know, and so does Hibbing, and I think Superior pays more than that. They pay that on a regular night. 
So they, they, but that just shows you. John Canto was willing to drive all the way from Wisconsin, right. all the way over there for a thousand to win. So it's funny, you know, we've talked about this many times. Some of these racers, they pull in, they got a big stacker trailer and a huge coat. They got like a $250,000 hauler. And they're like, man, you, you need to be paying more. It should be at least 1200 to win. It's like, seriously, dude, you're talking about 200 bucks and you got like your haulers worth more than like two, two or three houses. Seriously, come on. So, you know, it's one of those deals where I, I think, uh, oh, Florida is another prime example, right? You look at speed weeks in Florida for the modifieds, they get like 80 of them down there and it was horrible pay. I mean, it was absolutely garbage. I mean, the first couple spots paid pretty good, and then it was like garbage the rest of the way through. You didn't even make enough money in the race to cover the expenses of that race, you know? Yeah. So, again, you know, there's something to that. I think uh, it's one of those things. People got to be looking a lot bigger than just the purse, and this kind of proves it. Bert? I agree with Ryan. I mean, you had the per, uh, the perfect storm this year. Uh, racers will race for less money at the beginning of the season because they haven't raced all all winter, just like Ryan said. And uh, especially this year, when you know it's the safer at home, people haven't been doing anything, so the drivers really want to get out there and race. I don't think this would be a successful formula for specials at the end of the year because by by the end of the year, drivers have been racing all year. Some are burned out. Some are out of money. Uh, so this is just kind of a perfect storm for this year because of the COVID and everything. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure promoters are, are taking notice of this also and thinking, well, maybe we can decrease things maybe just a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. That was an interesting <laughs> observation. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes, you know, heading forward here. But like I said, if you know, if a, if a bunch of promoters get together, there might be trouble in racing world. <laughs> well, I mean, to I, I told you guys this earlier this year that I think the beginning of this season, you could have just said, we're not having any payout, but you're welcome to come race. And you would have had drivers show up to race. Yeah, that's probably true. Probably true. And like I said, that's what we're kind of seeing here. All right, another observation that we've made. Uh, if you've been following the show, we've been reporting a little bit on the Dirt Kings, uh, not so much the series, but uh, Mississippi Thunder Speedways had a, a couple of races. They've been in the late model class. They've been sanctioning, not sanctioned, but using the Dirt Kings rules and the Dirt Kings are a series that runs over in Burt's area over in eastern Wisconsin, and they do travel to the western side of Wisconsin also. And we've been talking about the Tri-State series, which is kind of based out of in the South Dakota, goes into Iowa goes into southwestern Minnesota. And what we're noticing is there's beginning to be a little bit of encroachment on Wazota and the Wazota Challenge Series. For example, I was looking at some of the schedules. The Dirt Kings have 15 dates this year. They're not going to probably get them all due to COVID, but the, the point is the aggressiveness and the scheduling and everything when things were normal. The Tri-State has a whopping 23 dates scheduled. And was the Wazota Challenge Series has about 17. Now, the Dirt Kings, just a, uh, about, what, three, four years old, Bert? The series, five years old? Uh, I believe this is their fourth year. Fourth year, okay. And the Tri-States, just, you know, second or third year. The Wazota Challenge has been around for about 20 years. So the question is, and I guess we'll start with you tonight, Ryan, on this one, you know, what, what is happening here with Wazota? We're kind of being attacked from the West. We're kind of being attacked from the East. What's the future? What's going to happen here? What do you, you know, what do you see happening? I tell you what, though, I think Wasota Late Models are in trouble. I think the Wasota Late Model Challenge Series is absolutely in trouble unless they make some changes. We we're talking about this and how many Wasota Late Model tracks are in the state of Wisconsin? Two, right? You got the Gondekla Speedway in Superior. You got the Red Cedar Speedway in Menominee. That's it. There are no other Wasota Late Model tracks in the entire state, right? You know, and, and you think about that, that's crazy because where are the you know, and if we consider in Wissota, no disrespect to any of the drivers in other areas, but for me, anyway, my belief has always been the, the mecca of late model racing in the area. There's always been like the Cedar Lake Menominee area. That's kind of where you had your top guys, right? And Cedar Lake's, of course, NASCAR. And then you think back to a lot of the Wisconsin specials, right? The Red Clay Classic up at the ABC Raceway in Ashland, the Wissota 100, one, now the legendary, but used to be the Wissota 100 at Cedar Lake. 
and you'd get 10, 12 of them guys coming over from eastern Wisconsin, um, McBride, Pete Parker, Anvilinks, Berna, Terry Casey, you know, all them people, they'd come over. Well, they're no longer with Soda. They're, they're, they're out. They're no longer with Soda. Well, then you get to the western side, and in North Dakota, you got Grand Forks. That's it. One track. There's one track in the whole state. It used to be Fargo. Um, now, in South Dakota, they got three because Huron don't race anymore. You know, I guess maybe Rapid City way out west has them. You know, and then in Minnesota, there's really only a handful of tracks in Minnesota. So there's very few tracks that even run late models weekly. And like uh, the Donlinger Ford Grand Rapids Speedway, they run them seven times a year or something like that. Even you talked about Cedar Lake six times a year. So you think about that, the, the whole class as a whole, there's just not many people in Wissota Late Models, right? So that's number one. Now you start looking, if you're a track outlying, if you're a track in eastern Wisconsin or even central Wisconsin or anywhere in Wisconsin for that matter with only two tracks, or on the far west side, right? If you get over to western Minnesota or even the Dakotas or whatever, well, you're only pulling from a certain area. And if you go the other direction, there's still late models to be had there. There's late models. They're just not Wissota late models. So these tracks are looking at this and they're going, well, let's see, I, I can have a late model event and literally double my car count if I just go with one of these other rules packages. And if I just go with soda, I'm limited to these guys, right? And there's only like 10 of them that really even follow the series. But if you, now if you double that and you're saying, hey, we get maybe get 10 of these Dirt Kings guys, 10 with soda guys, you know, or whatever, you, you're going to have a lot more cars. So you start looking at that and, and really it concerns me and I talked to Chad Becker. And Chad Becker, of course, last year's national champ in the, in the late models. And I said, why don't you follow it? And he's like, the reason I don't follow it is most of the races are in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And there's really only like one swing in South Dakota. He goes back when they had a swing out to Montana and a swing in South Dakota. And there was like more geographic areas. To him, it was a lot more fun, you know, because he was able to travel to different areas. He goes, why on earth would I want to travel to Menominee and all that where, you know, that that's their home turf, right? He goes, I, you know, so I think they, there's so many changes that got to be made, you know, and it's not the money, right? Because you look at, you look at the tri-state deal and they paid a thousand a win. So I don't know how many cars follow that, you know, religiously, I guess we'll see at the end of the year, we'll have to kind of decipher that, but they don't pay very good. They really don't. The tri-state deal is terrible. Um, the challenge series pays, okay it's not great a couple grand to win most of them are two grand to win 200 to start um wasoda did make a good adjustment for the drivers um by reducing the entry fee for this season um but none of these series are really great for the track right unless they're doing an excessive amount of promoting because if you have a challenge series show for example it costs fifteen hundred dollars for a racetrack to schedule it plus the first which is 12, 13,000, 14,000, somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, that's a whole lot more tickets that you got to sell in order to pay that purse. Now, if you're a track that doesn't have late models, you know, now you don't even have your home turf to draw from. See up in Grand Rapids and Hibbing, they got 16, 18 of them every single night. So if they bring in 10, 12 extra, now they're at 30. They have a good solid show. But if you're a track that doesn't run late models regularly, they're looking at these other directions because they're like, man, they only get 10, 12 to follow the series. If we go with the challenge series, what are we going to get? 10, 12 cars? Why would we do that? But if we go with the tri-state deal or we go with the Dirt Kings deal, we might get 10, 12 with soda cars, 10, 12 of these other ones. Now we at least have a full show of cars. So there's, there's some things to be had there, but they really, in my opinion, with soda and they're because of everything that happened this year and there's more to the story. And I think they're looking at this down the road. They need to hire somebody to specifically run the challenge series because they have one guy that's the executive director for Wasota deals with all the sponsors, deals with all that stuff. Plus he runs the challenge series. And it's pretty tough to do both. You know, if you're going to run a series, that needs to be your focal point. So, so hopefully Wasota can do that because the, the purse is one thing, but if it were me, if I were running the Wasota challenge series, the first thing that I would do is I would say, we're going to find a sponsor for every single event, and all the entry fee money should go directly to the track, right? So 
so that the tract can, you know, they can get rid of some of their expense of having the show. So the entry fee goes directly to the challenge rates, goes to what sort of goes into the point fund. And that's a big chunk of it because if you take, well, even if they had 10 races at 1500 a night, that's 15, you know, 15,000 bucks that goes into the point fund. Well, I, I'm a firm believer that there should be a sponsor for each night and that money should go to the track to help them even host that event. And that would be the first thing I would do that would really, really um, make it more favorable for the Wasota racetracks. Because when I see Wasota tracks that have an opportunity to have a challenge series going another direction, that tells you that something needs to be fixed. I'm talking like Mississippi Thunder. I'm talking Jim Falls. I'm talking, you know, on the other side, Wilmer. Yeah, um, it's even you know, all these tracks, you know, these tracks in western Minnesota that used to have races. I mean, and even South Dakota, it's like, you know, Wilmer, Madison, Madison, because they used to have that run. You go to Alex, I think it was on a Tuesday, you'd go to Alex. Wednesday, you'd go to um, Madison, Madison was right there. Thursday was Aberdeen, and then they, or, or Huron, or, or Watertown, or, or, and then they had the Rumble, you know, that yeah. 10,000. So they had that swing, and even I 90 down in South Dakota, and the Rock Rapids feed with Rock Rapids just had a challenge series event. Within a couple of years ago, now Madison, Wilmer, Fiesta City, and Montevideo, Rock Rapids, and I-90 all have these tri-state, you know, races. So, Ryan, I don't want to cut you off, but I do want to get Bert in here. Bert, you've obviously probably seen, you know, every just about every Dirt Kings race with your reporting over there. You know, why is it, I guess in your opinion, what do you think of it? Why is it so successful? Well, first, I want to say that I agree with pretty much everything Ryan just stated. Um, you know, I think part of Wasoda's problem is the geographic area is so large. I mean, I know when uh, Shano Speedway, Seymour Speedway, and uh, Langley County Speedway were in Wasoda on the eastern side of the state, when they did host Wasoda Challenge Series races, you know, they only got like, you know, 10 or so travelers. I mean, if you're from the Dakotas, you're not going to drive all the way to eastern Wisconsin to race unless you're following the whole tour. Um, so, so that's that's part of the problem. And uh, with with one of the benefits of Dirt Kings and why it's so successful and why it was needed in eastern Wisconsin is you have two weekly dirt late model tracks in eastern Wisconsin, but they had but the one in Plymouth didn't run with soda where Shauna was with soda. So their rules didn't mesh. So, I mean, even though Dirt Kings isn't a weekly sanction, most of the drivers in the division set up their cars to be, to be able to race in Dirt Kings races. So now you have drivers who will travel back and forth to Plymouth and Shauna to race. Um, and then they follow the Dirt Kings tour. And from a, uh, promoters perspective in the western part of the state just like ryan stated you know you're going to get 10 to 12 dirt king drivers following the tour so you're guaranteed 12 cars there and if you can pull 10 to 15 with soda cars you know you have 25 to 30 cars you have you know you have a full show where if you run just a with soda race you're limiting yourself to only with soda legal cars where with dirt kings their rules are set up to incorporate um, uh, uh, IMCA late models, uh, other spec late models, uh, with soda late models. They have different weight rules for different engines. You can run open engines with restrictor plates. And, you know, there's all these different rules in an effort to get more cars to race. And it was a big boost in the, in the arm for Eastern Wisconsin late model racing because these drivers now have more more places to race rather than their two weekly tracks because other tracks will have one-off specials. So you know you can put together a nice little traveling series in the eastern side of the state where all the races are within you know two hours of each other, and then schedule a few in the western part of Wisconsin just to add some flair to the schedule. Yeah, it looked like there were only about seven drivers that followed that. I was just looking at the points, the seven drivers that really followed that challenge series last year. So that's what you can expect. And then you've got the NLRA guys out west where they've got their own little series, which is NLRA. And then, of course, they do run Mazota rules. So you're still racing for Mazota points. But, gosh, I think they have about 20 cars every race, don't they? And, and they, they're typically going places 
that don't have late models, the Adas, the Minots, the Devil's Lake, places like that, and they and Jamestown, they seem to. to I think they get about ten to twelve. I think ten to twelve regular followers, but when the track when it's fairly close, like Bert said, on the tracks that are close geographically, they get a really good following because Grand Forks got a really good base of late model racing. So if it's within a certain geographical area, but I would expect that you can get ten to twelve of them guys to follow pretty religiously and. I think maybe one solution to this whole deal, guys, is Wissota maybe needs to talk to all the late model drivers, get them all together, and say, what's your thoughts of going more with, like, a Dirt Kings-type package to where, you know, if you have a late model, you can race. You know, there's no reason to have, like, a set of rules to where the only place you can race is your sanctioning body. That is ridiculous. I mean, that's how it's been with Wissota late models forever. A late model is a late model. It's the top class. It's a premier. They got them all over the country, but our guys can only race with soda. And that is stupid. That is yeah. stupid. Well, and Don Shaw won the $10,000 to win race in Huron either like in 17 or 16, wasn't maybe even 18, wasn't that long ago with an aluminum because they kind of played with that aluminum. This is what I heard. Played with that aluminum for a while. He won that race. Monday, Zoda said, no more aluminum engine. Well, I don't remember. I know he's he's done a couple different things. He's had the aluminum deal in there. He's ran a 525 crate. Great. So he's Don Shaw's been the guy that says, you know what? If they're going to start letting different packages in, I'm going to experiment and see what, what I can make work. And instead of them just itching the whole deal and saying we're done, all they should have done is made a few adjustments to just kind of close the gap up a little bit. It makes no sense to just saying, oh, we're just not going to do that anymore. We'll just go with a different restrictor or something. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you work with it, it might take a year. It might take a whole year to develop it to where you make all these packages work together. But longevity-wise, instead of don't just look at what's going to happen year one, what's, what's this going to do to late model racing three, four, five years down the road, right? And that's where they need to be looking. And and I know I've talked to Carson at Wasota, guys, and that's kind of the way he thinks. Um, I, I've talked to him several times about things, and he's always looking like, what's the long-term effect going to be? So, you know, maybe maybe having a newer guy like him in there that has a little bit of vision, maybe something like that could happen. And well, I, go ahead, Bert. I was just going to say, I mean, I mean, we had Nick Avalink on the show, you know, several weeks ago. You know, he's he's the only champion Dirk Kings has ever had. He's won the championship every year. But at the end of the year, he also goes and races in the Wasota late model specials. So, I mean, his car is, you know, he's able to make it legal for, for both sanctioning bodies. So it, it can be done. Well, I guess we should remind our viewers that the first race at MTS just a couple of weeks back, I think I made an error when I, I introduced this earlier, but it was won by, I, I said Jake Tim, it was actually won by Nitro James Giassi. Our understanding is he's was in a completely legal Wazota car. Second place was Jake Tim. Uh, and so it was like, that's what kind of got this subject rolling for the three of us was like, wait now, you know, the, the Wazota guy, he can compete. What's this rule package like? And Bert, why don't we jump into this real quick uh, and then we'll, we'll move on to the last lap. But uh, the tire rule and just kind of what, what goes on with the tires here? Because that was one question I had. Well, looking at the Dirt Kings rules, it looks like uh, they use 30s and 55s. They're Wazota tires. Uh, but they they can groove and sipe them, where I believe with soda, there is no grooving or siping. Gosh, what's this close, Ryan? We're already running the <laughs> tires. You got you can run the Wazota motor and compete. You already have Wazota tires on the trailer. I guess, yeah, you might have to do some grooving and siping. This close, but nothing's happening. And does Wazota see that they're dying? The, the tire story's been a debate forever. I know a lot of late model guys are like, man, we need to get grooving and siping back. And I know some late model guys that say, man, we'll keep it how it is. Um, but as a racer, especially a guy, if you're on a budget, I know a lot of people that buy secondhand tires. We had Kevin, I talked to Kevin Carlson a while back. He won a feature last year. And, and he actually was getting tires used from Van House, right? And they kind of joked, and he, he won with used tires that Van House had. And then Devin said, nope, that's it. No more tires for you, right? And uh, <laughs> he was just joking. Van House has helped a lot of people out. But, you know, if a guy can groove in sight, you know, you can make them go a little bit longer. You know, the, the top guys are always going to put brand new tires on anyway. But the fact of the matter is, why not make them last a little longer for the people that are racing on a budget? But I think, uh, like we said, all classes, 
doesn't matter if it's mods, lates, whatever it is, we just need to have some continuity so that people have options. And so when tracks host an event, they have the ability to get more cars. It's just better for everybody. All right, fellas. I'm sure we can keep going on and on with this, but you know, maybe we'll revisit this. I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll hear some rule changes down the road. Uh, but like I said, you know, there's just definitely some encroachment going on here and uh, we'll see what the future holds. Well, with that, I, I just want to mention, cause we didn't mention this. I mean, cause uh, Mississippi Thunder Speedway is going to have a double header this weekend with uh, Dirt Kings uh, Friday night and Saturday night. They originally were, it was just supposed to be Friday night show, but now they're going to race Saturday night also. So yeah, I don't know. If, the series is my understanding, right? Yes. This, this, this is, is the first, this now. is the first race of the series yeah. for this year. Sure. So, so it'll be uh, interesting to see how, who races there and how the different sanctioning bodied cars perform. And I've been advocating for this for several weeks now. I'd love to see a co-sanctioned race between Dirt Kings and Lasota. <laughs> well, I think it's going to kind of be that, whether it officially is or not. There's going to be a lot of us. We talked earlier. There's guys itching the race. It's time to go racing, you know. And with that, our white flag is out. So it's the last lap. So we have one to go. And we'll start the one uh, to go or the last lap section off with some sad news. Uh, I'm sure many of you heard uh, over the weekend on Friday night, Cedar Lake opened up and the other annual bus races. And one of the track workers, Edward Nicholson, age 62, uh, passed away. He had, what I had heard, he was crushed by a bus. They were, one had rolled and they were trying to pull it and a chain broke. Do either of you any any updates or any news? Any, any? Yeah, I don't, I don't really have any updates as far as exactly what happened. At the end of the day, um, there was an incident with the bus races. He was, you know, they were trying to get it tipped back over. Whatever happened there, um, he ended up losing his life. And, and Eddie been around Cedar Lake Speedway for a long time, guys. I mean, you know, everybody spoke really highly of him. He just passionate about racing, loved racing. You know, he was the first guy to jump in when cars were hooked together and, you know, get them unhooked and do what he could there. You know, he was a hard worker and, and just a huge part of the racing family, especially at the Cedar Lake Speedway. I've met him. I didn't know him well, but, uh, man, I got a lot of people on Facebook that really did know him well. So, you know, when you lose a member of the racing family, it's like losing a member of your own family. It's a tough deal. You know, my heart goes out to his family, all of his friends, the folks at the Cedar Lake Speedway. That's a tough loss, and, and I'm sure they're going to have some kind of a tribute for him because he was such a big part of that place. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a sad situation, and, you know, my prayers go, go out to uh, his family and all of his friends, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be difficult to move forward, but, uh, you know, I like Ryan said, I'm sure Cedar Lake Speedway will do something special in his honor. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. In fact, they canceled the rest of that program, and they canceled the Saturday event because it was just it was just too much, but they're going back to racing. They got a uh, basically a, a get-in-free night this coming week, uh, six different classes of cars. Uh, I'm not sure on, on the details of the cars, but they're getting back to racing, and, and uh, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for sure. Well, good segue, Ryan. Speaking of getting back to race, we had the Viking Speedway in Alexandria, Minnesota. They're trying to get back to racing. They've uh, posted a GoFundMe page online, and Ryan... You know, I know you got some opinions on this. Boss move or BS move? It's total bullshit. I mean, let's just be <laughs> honest, guys. I mean, come on. First of all, I've seen a lot of GoFundMes. And don't get me wrong. I've seen a couple people do their own GoFundMes, right? And I've always thought that's cheesy. But most of the time when you see a GoFundMe, the first thing you see is somebody unrelated to where the money's going is starting the GoFundMe, Right. So I talked to one of their board members today. I'm like, all right, first of all, I think this whole deal is stupid, right? But if you guys were going to do a GoFundMe, why didn't you just get a track sponsor or somebody else not affiliated with the track to say, hey, we're starting this on behalf of the Viking Speedway? It would have looked better. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the racing community to outsiders. Now, I'm in the racing community, right? So I get it. But the racing community has always been looked at like a bunch of beggars. Like, man, what can you do for me? They're always look out there with their hand out. Like, how can you support my nasty habit here? This just makes it worse. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, we're, we're talking Minnesota. Minnesota's still locked down, still shut down. Heck, we don't even know when we can race in the, to begin with, right? You know, they're trying. We're trying up in Grand Rapids too, but there's some issues going on that 
really are out of our control. So racing might be a little bit down the line. So that's number one. You got all these small businesses in town, right? That are going, man, I just hope to pay my bills, keep the doors open, right? Where we don't have any income coming in. And then all of a sudden you look and there's a GoFundMe for the racetrack that might not even open. It's like, are you serious? So that's crazy. And then you take Alexandria, Minnesota. Guys, here's the deal. Alexandria has been a town that has just, for whatever reason, not really embraced racing, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Chris Steppen used to have his FYE events there, and he had to move them away from the Viking Speedway. And there might have been more reasons, but one of them was they had a curfew every single night that was a hard curfew. They, and I can't even tell you how many times they had to cut the laps because the city would just not work with them. Well, some of his shows had 300 cars. You can't get them done on time. And he moved it to Ogilvy because they don't have a curfew. They can run however late. Well, so you already got the city that's really not all that supportive. And then they go ahead and they do this deal. And I get it. They, in, in their defense, they, want, they planned on doing some kind of a fundraising raffle at the banquet. And some of that stuff got shoved to the side. And this was kind of like a quick deal. Hey, let's just, it's still a fundraiser. Let's try to generate some funds. I get it. But man, it's just the perception of it looks terrible. It's like, guys, come on. I mean, I, I think it was just a stupid idea in my point. Well, what, let me just go back just a little bit. I mean, they are a nonprofit. I mean, I can I, t I agree with some of the optics of it because when I first looked at it first, I was like, you know, but then it's not promoter run. I mean, I mean, I guess some nonprofits do fundraisers and do GoFundMe's. Yeah, you know, I, just because they say you can doesn't mean you should, right? <laughs> That's kind of the way I look at it. So, yes, it's technically a fundraiser, but there's no – I mean, do figure out a way to do some other kind of fundraiser. They wanted – now, again, in their defense, they wanted to do some stuff on Facebook, try to do some kind of a Facebook raffle-type deal. Facebook shut it down. They said with all the COVID stuff, Facebook has really been hard to deal with. Facebook shut that deal down. So they wanted to do some kind of a raffle, but it's like, why don't you guys just take a step back? Let's wait till we know the season can open. Because guess what? As soon as you know when the season can open, now you're probably going to have a week or two in there where you can get aggressive and do some kind of a fundraiser when things open back up. And to me, I mean, some people thought it was a good idea. I thought it was terrible because I'm looking at it from the marketing side going, the outsiders, the people that are not involved with racing, they look at this and not a good deal. Now, now here's another thing. This is something I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it, and I not to throw them completely under the bus here, but there was a few other people on the board last year, so it's a new board, and they've got a new direction, and they're trying to make things better. But guys, they laid an egg in September last year. Like, they had their fall classic. They had their invitational. Fans didn't show up. They ended up losing a bunch of money, and they had to cut the person half on all the drivers. So I saw a few drivers saying, well, didn't we already do a fundraiser last year when we gave you half our money that you didn't pay us? I'm like, so it's like, oh, man, it's like red flag after red flag. It's like, guys, like, literally take a step back. Let's have some common sense and look at this deal and say, what can we do to get a positive outlook on our facility because that's, in my opinion, two big, you know, smacks in the face right in a row. So, yeah, not, not a good deal. But hopefully they can get things squared away. Hopefully it works out for them. I, I guess whatever. It is what it is. I mean, to each their own. But I, I, I definitely don't call it a boss move. Let's put it that way. I saw that. Well, uh, I, I, the driver saying that was pretty comical. Well, Bert Lehman, while he was laid up last week and you know, couldn't join us, he did some research. and. There is a rumor that he's found going around that NASCAR, the top series, might be coming to Wisconsin. Can you expound a little bit first? I mean, all I know is what I read in an in a article on a racing site, it, which originally appeared on Facebook, so it's got to be true. Um, but, no, I don't know. It, it's just a rumor, but rumor has it that uh, um, NASCAR might, NASCAR's top series might come to Road America. The Xfinity Series has – always race at road america every year uh, and will continue again this year but the rumor is that nascar's top series will race at road america i don't know how true it is uh it when you dig deeper it makes sense because the two road courses uh one's in new york and the other one's in california and uh you know 
Although I did see in the news tonight that the governors of New York and California are, are ready to open up their states for sports beginning in June. So I'm not sure how much of an impact that will have on, on things, not just racing wise, but all of sports in total. So uh, like I said, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, it's interesting talk right now, at least when there's aren't many sports going on. And I mean, NASCAR did get back to racing yesterday and I did see on the news tonight that the ratings were up like 40% over the last race that they raced this year. Uh, I, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with it. Other than a golf event yesterday, it was the only live sporting event that people could watch. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, if people are going to watch iRacing, they're going to watch NASCAR, right? <laughs> so, and I, I, honestly, I watched a little bit of it myself. In fact, uh, we just had Chase Eliasson on the show, and <laughs> I might have to text him and ask him, like, did your driver fall asleep, or was he waving? I mean, there was nobody in the crowd to wave to. I, I really don't know what he was doing, right? Because he, he should have won the first segment, and he was in position. He probably had a really good car to win the race, and he, he made a pretty major area drove into the back of a lap car you know and wrecked himself and knocked himself right out of the race leading on the last lap of the first segment i'm like dude seriously and he owned up to it he said right in the post-race interview goes man i wish i could have that lap back you know so it is what it is i mean he's not sugarcoating it the lap car made a little bit of had to roll out of the gas but jimmy drove right in and was a bad deal but i think moving the tracks around the races around that's all fluid right now i mean I mean, literally, we can't keep up. I mean, things are changing every single day. It'd be cool to get something in Wisconsin, but it would be more cool if it was an oval. You know, the, the road course, all fine and great, but, man, I'd like to see, like, the Milwaukee Mile or, mm -hmm. you know, something that's a short track type deal. That'd be fun. I mean, I'd, heck, I'd even probably go to that. <laughs> well, the God Law Speedway is going to open up this weekend, or actually not this week, not weekend, on Thursday and Friday, and they're going to open up with a bang with the 15th annual Weir's Machine Minnesota Mod Nationals, presented by Boston Trucking. This is an FYE event put on by Chris Steppen. Uh, it's interesting that the Minnesota Mod Nationals will be held, I said, at the God Law Speedway, for those of you that don't know, is in Superior, Wisconsin. So, Brian, what are you thinking here? Well, I'm excited for this race, you know, I mean, the Gondek Law Speedway, it's kind of one of my old stomping grounds. Great racing action up there. Actually, Dirt Race Central is going to have this live, guys, both nights of the both nights of it. So you're going to be, if you can't make it there or you're uncomfortable making there, you can watch on Dirt Race Central. I think there's a couple ways to see that. Um, I think there's a watchfye.tv and then um, the watchdrc.tv. You can access it either way. But, uh, man, they – they, they practiced. The track looked like it held together pretty good. Um, Tyler Vernon in the last year, he had the Trump 2020 car. And this year he ran a, I think he's a mod. He ended up rolling over in practice. It's like, dude, practice. You're not practice. supposed to roll over in <laughs> practice, right? Uh, fortunately, it was okay. But uh, 1500 to win for the mods, 1000 for the super stocks, 750 for the B mods. Um, I see they added pure stocks. They got street stocks. Um, so they got a full field of cars. No late models at this event because of the stuff going on down south, and it's obviously the Mod Nationals. But, you know, it's, it's going to be great. The weather looks pretty good. Definitely excited for it. It sounds like there's no limit on fans. It sounds like they can kind of just roll with it and go with, go with it, whatever. And, you know, I, I think a couple of guys to watch on that one, Johnny Broking is going to be bolted right out of the gate, the 45J. That's my pick when the national points come back in Wissota. To win it all if they have it like he's he's my pick he's really really good there um and then uh kevin burdick and the super stocks uh look for him to be lightning fast uh, coming off that national championship so i am actually very close to making a decision to go there like i i think i might actually go to that event it's a little bit of a drive um but i'm, I'm pretty excited to get up there see some racing see some of the racing community that that are all my friends. I'm looking forward to seeing some of that. So um, we might have to make the trip. Yeah, 1,500 uh, to win each night. Like you said, they're racing Thursday, Friday. Uh, Bert, thoughts, or do you have uh, maybe a pick for us? I'm going to go – well, I'm not going to say you You go before me. If you seem like you're always picking last, Bert. Well, I'm not real familiar with the drivers. Um, is Lucas Scott going to race in that race? No, he'll be down at okay. – Lucas shot. I think he runs mostly Mississippi Thunder, yeah, so he won't okay. be up there. All right. Um, 
I'm not sure. I'm going to have to start researching my, my Wasota drivers so I can make these picks. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with the Hermantown Hammer, Daryl Nelson. He's got a lot of laps there in Superior. Uh, he's always a tough competitor. So, yeah, we will see. It, uh, uh, excited to see, you know, things get going where, you know, where we're from, Ryan. Finally, it's like, you know, one of the, you know, kind of not the home track, but it's a track that I've been to many, many times. And, you know, who knows, maybe, like I said, the weather's nice enough. Maybe I'll make the uh, trek down there too. Yeah, I just want. I do just want to mention though. You guys can. You guys and all all the race fans in the western part of the state and Minnesota can uh, thank the Wisconsin Supreme Court for you be for racing to be able to take place right now. Because if they wouldn't have uh, made the decision that they made, we'd still be in in lockdown mode. That's something that we didn't even talk about, right? I mean, literally, I mean, we had our last show beginning of last week, and literally the day after we had our show, the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, yeah, the, the stay-at-home order is a bunch of BS, and we're, we're going. And, uh, yeah, so Wisconsin opened up, and, you know, I'm kind of knock on wood here that Minnesota follows suit, right, so we can get things going there. And I live down in Illinois and there ain't nothing going on here. So Minnesota and Illinois are absolutely, like, still locked down, but hopefully that will change soon. Well, yeah. and e even after the Wisconsin Supreme Court decision, uh, the governor of Wisconsin and his health secretary um, were still trying – they were trying to devise another plan that would basically lock us down again. Uh, but today he announced that he's giving up on that idea. So it sounds like Wisconsin's going to be staying open. So – <laughs> well and and uh, we'll wrap up just a couple more items here and of course uh, there's racing tomorrow night in another state that's wide open which is georgia the lucas oil late model series finally returns to action tomorrow night at golden isle they'll race three nights tuesday wednesday thursday rigs drilling solutions putting up a five thousand dollar bonus they're going to race three nights this week in georgia three nights next week at east bay you have to compete in all six events but whoever comes up with the highest point totals going to put an extra five grand in their pocket, which is pretty cool. Uh, Rig Drilling Solutions fields a car for Tanner English. Uh, Bert, do you want to start? You got some picks or kind of who to watch? Well, I mean, obviously after last weekend, I think you got to watch uh, um, the Newport Nightmare, uh, Jimmy Owens. <laughs> uh, he's on a roll, so it'll be interesting to see if he can stay on, stay on a roll. Uh, obviously, uh, Jonathan Davenport is one to watch. Uh, he was kind of, uh, I was reading a story about these races and he was kind of whining about all the travel to, to go to these races. I don't know. I, he, he's one of my favorite drivers, but it seems like everything you read, he's whining about something. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would, Jimmy Owens is definitely a driver to watch over the next several days. Brian? You know who I'm going to be interested to watch is Mark Whitener. Um, he ran really good down there in speed weeks. He was, you know, he was a little controversy, right? Banging some fenders, a little bit vocal, but he ran very well at, at all those races down there. So it's going to be interesting to me. I mean, obviously Owens is on a tear, Davenport, all the, all the Lucas Oil regulars, but I think the guy for me to watch and keep an eye on is Mark Whitener. Yeah, my guy's another fender banger. That's uh, We've learned that he's a fender banger. I didn't know this, but it's Brandon Overton, you know, and I, I had said, you know, late last year, Overton's kind of one of my guys to watch, and 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 you know he's coming off a win what a couple of weeks ago where he did use some fender to get into somebody, and so he's kind of I, I'm assuming he'll be down there. So I'm gonna kind of watch uh, the other Osho. <laughs> you know who's due? Bronson. Yeah. So you was. take Whitener and Bronson, didn't they have a little scuffle down there, right? They had a little they had a little deal. Both of them too. Killer Kyle Bronson is definitely due. Like he's been really good. Um, but White, like I said, Whitener's going to be because he's kind of the dark horse in the deal. But uh, those two in particular, are Bronson and Whitener. All righty. Well, and we have a quick happy birthday wish to get out to a driver that probably will be competing in the Lucas events, and that's Chris Madden. His birthday was this coming Saturday, the 23rd. He will be 44 years old on Saturday. And, of course, we have Memorial Weekend coming up. And so we just want to wish everyone, like I said, we, we me and Ryan, we – Missed. Well, Bert, you were on that show. We all missed Mother's Day, you know, as far as wishing all the moms out. Oh, there. yes. <laughs> I want to make sure we do not miss Memorial Weekend. So happy Memorial Weekend to everybody. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up, guys. Huh? Anything else? 
No, that's it. Yeah, happy Memorial Day to everyone coming up here. You know, it's going to be a great weekend of racing. We're just super excited to be able to see cars go in a circle or an oval or however you want to word it. But um, racing's back, guys, uh, and we're looking forward to lots of good racing action this week. Anything else, Bert? No, I I agree with Ryan. Uh, it should be a great weekend of racing. And uh, word is that the eastern Wisconsin tracks are going to start opening up the first part of June. So. Uh, maybe I can uh, report some late model stuff to you guys from uh, this side of the state. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that will wrap up the show then. So uh, race fans, uh, like I said, we're here once a week. Uh, feel free uh, to check us out, like I said, Ryan said, on our Facebook page during the week as we throw some, some content up there. Join us next week for episode number 30. And get out there, as always, and be your dream. You're tuned to the one to go show.